It's uh, Pastor Tyler Sturkey coming at you for New Hope Underground. Uh, this is a special supplemental uh, episode that we're doing for a series we've started this summer called Summer on the Mount. Uh, you probably just saw it just this last weekend, kicked off the series where we're spending uh, both months of June and July going through, uh, I mean, the, the name is pretty apropos, the Sermon on the Mount. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be dropping supplemental podcast episodes each week, uh, kind of taking the discussion a little bit deeper than we can go just on 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. And so uh, I have a special guest with me today. I teased it in our series overview uh, this last week, um, but it is the ineffable, the immeasurable, the, I can't think of another adjective, uh, the beautiful Lindsay's Turkey. Hi, everyone. I'm hoping you guessed by the last one that it was me. Otherwise, that would have been a very awkward introduction. I, I think I know what ineffable means. Immeasurable, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure there's lots of things about you that can be measured. Probably, but we won't get into that no, today. No, we, we won't. So, hey, th- thank you for doing this episode with me. Absolutely. You have, you've done, we've done this one other time or multiple times? At least times? once. I'm not sure if we've done it more than that. So she's come on and been a guest host. I think whenever we did, I don't know if it was the Ruth series or another series we had done just to, I mean, similar thing. We're doing kind of a supplemental, uh, just taking the discussion a little bit deeper. And so, hey, thanks for joining us. Now, for those of you who don't know, we share the last name because she's not my sister. Uh, she's my <laughs> wife. And so I thought maybe I would just let Lindsay just, you know, because... You, you may know a lot about me because I tell stories about myself in my sermons, but you may not know much about my wife, so I'll let her tell just a little bit, just a quick snapshot of who she is. Yes. So as has already been said, I'm married to Tyler Sturkey. We have two twin girls, Addie and Lissy, who just finished second grade. And uh, when I am not with them, I am working at the Real Life Process with Teresa McCloy as the marketing director, which involves writing content, doing social media, website, all of that. And also, we've recently started working with a spiritual formation uh, tool called One Life Maps, and I'm overseeing that side of our business as well. So love having conversations with people about how to incorporate spiritual practices into their everyday life and how the power of exploring our story and how God has moved in our past, present, and then inviting us into our future impacts our life. Oh, that's awesome. And it's kind of cool that even though the one life maps part, which is something that's just being, has been and is being incorporated into the whole process of, you know, for uh, your job. Uh, that was something that we, when we were both interns, which was how we first met 16 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that they actually use some of those tools in that internship that we were at whenever we were up in the Chicago area at a church interning at a church up there. So it's, it's, it's cool to see some of that full circle come around to where you're working directly teaching and coaching around that, those things. And it was stuff that was formational to us just beginning in our ministry careers. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the co-creators of the one life maps came out of Willow and were actually at Willow when we were there um, at the time. And um, Sybil, we knew her and sat under her teaching and um, seen some of the maps as they were even developing. And so, yeah, it's really cool to have that as part of my work now. That's awesome. Well, hey, yeah, so that's just a, a quick snapshot of uh, who my wife is, and she's uh, 
loves the scriptures, is a great teacher, and so it, it just seemed very appropriate kicking off the series to invite her insights into the room as well. And so uh, we're going to be jumping into uh, the passage that I looked at in, my, in uh, the first sermon of this series where we're going through uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, 1 through, uh, I think it's 12, uh, which is the Beatitudes. And I'm not to rehash some of the stuff that I'm talking about, but Beatitudes literally comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessing, um, because most English translations will say blessed are this, that, the other. Um, and so the Beatitudes literally just mean the blessings. And so that's how Jesus starts out. And so we're going to kind of follow the similar Soma method of Bible study where we're just going to read the scripture, make some observations. And once we kind of make some of those observations, uh, notice meaning around that, like what does that mean for us and how do we apply it to our lives? And so that'll be kind of the general flow that we'll talk about it. So uh, yeah, I would actually invite, if you're okay, Lindsay, do you want to go ahead and just read the text for sure. all who are listening? Yes. So starting in Matthew chapter five in verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, so I, I, I would just even, I mean, just straight out of the gate, invite any observations that you might notice uh, in the text and... We'll kind of go from there. The first thing I noticed was actually in those first couple verses, which we may, you know, kind of skim past as just setting up the setting of this. But I thought it was interesting that even when you look in chapter four before that, that large crowds were following him. Mm. And then it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went to a mountainside and sat down. Mm. I thought it was so interesting that here are all these crowds that are following Jesus and attracted by the miracles that he's doing. And when he comes to teach his followers, he doesn't kind of like ride the momentum of this crowd, but he kind of com comes away to a mountainside and he sits down to teach. Oh, that's interesting. And I just felt like that was such, such an amazing picture of the posture of Jesus with us. Mm. That this is not a fiery sermon that he's standing up and giving this just rousing motivational speech, but he is sitting down and conversing with us and inviting us into this way of living yeah. um, that he is that he's modeling and just such an important message. And I just I, that just struck me right off the bat that he went away, kind of went away from the crowd almost. And I don't know how much of the crowd continued to follow him to that mountainside, but I, it just struck me that he sat down as he taught them. Yeah, I mean, I've never. Never even noticed that before. Uh, 
I mean, because you're thinking about it on the mountainside. And I just have always, like, you just imagine in your mind, like, Jesus standing up and it's this huge crowd. And I mean, it is the, like, the more stereotypical, like, standing and maybe pacing and, you know, the, like, preaching. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a sermon on the mount. I mean, that's what we call it. Right. That's not what it's called in that. It just said he began to teach them. But, like, you think sermon on the mount, well, he's got to be, he's preaching. Like, he's up pacing and talking and, you know, getting animated, which, I mean, he maybe still did get animated. But still, like, that's just a different, uh, there's just a different visual with that, which I think can even give an interesting posture of Jesus of, like, for him to sit down and begin mm-hmm. to teach them is that's man that's really powerful. I love that. Yeah, what else do you see? Yeah, so as we get into the actual beatitudes, just kind of even from a big picture perspective, as I was reading through them and even picturing Jesus sitting and speaking these words to his disciples, I feel like there's such a sense of Jesus seeing them exactly where they're at. Um, coming from different places where it names the people who are poor in spirit or who are mourning or meek, just people in all these different circumstances. And as Jesus is describing them, it just feels like a very uh, tender and relational way of connecting with people mm. where he's saying, I see you exactly where you're at and how you are coming to me and recognizing that they are coming to him from all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of uh things going on in their life or or personality or struggles or strengths or whatever they are bringing it just struck me that Jesus is seeing them and naming you know whether you're in this place whether you're mourning or whether you are a merciful person or you're being persecuted right now that I want to bless you and show you the bigger picture of what I am seeing in your life so yeah. big picture that was kind of the first thing that stood out to me yeah well, and, and which I'm, I'm rehashing a little bit of what I talked about in my message whenever I say this, but like, even as I did it kind of a deep dive into that word blessed, I mean, it's the Greek word makarios and I mean, lots of different ways that it, it can be translated used over, you know, used like 50 times in the new Testament. And I mean, it can mean happy, but it's more, it's deeper than that. And even blessed has a religious sense to it. And it's like, there's not quite a theological tone to that word, at least the way that it's used here. Um, but yeah, anyway, but uh, just some of the stuff that I read of it coming down to probably the best sense or meaning of this is it was almost a congratulating or a commending. And and that's where like the point that I had made in my message was that uh, this isn't so much commands to be obeyed, but it's good news to be received to rejoice over. And so there is a sense of uh, good news. I mean, I mentioned that just verses before in verse 23, where it said Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then this is the first thing he says Mm -hmm. is blessed are these groups of people. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's, I I get like a huge sense of hope and joy Mm -hmm. that comes from some of these because I mean, that's what's interesting about because sometimes we can view this as like their commands to be followed. You're supposed to be like, no, I think there's tr- truth to you do want to find yourself being able to be able to identify with these groups, but they're not commands to be followed in the sense of like Jesus isn't commanding us to mourn or commanding us to be persecuted. It's more you're going to have times in life where you find yourself mourning or find yourself being persecuted. 
Yeah, and I think that's where, as we read these verses, it's not an aspirational thing of, oh, i got to be like this, but more of a pausing and asking yourself, where am I right now? Hmm. Where do I see myself? Even read through them and just kind of notice and pay attention to what stirs in you and what what particular thing kind of resonates. You say, yes, that's exactly where I am right now. Uh, maybe for you, you are mourning. Maybe you read that sentence that says, blessed are those who mourn, and you find yourself in a place of mourning, and that then you can see that it says you will be comforted. And so we can rest in that um, promise of Jesus. Like you said, it's it's giving us hope that we may be in a place of mourning, but there will be comfort and that that is the promise of Jesus. And so I think that's for us to kind of receive that is where do you see yourself in this list of beatitudes? Where are you right now? So it's not so much of where are you trying to get to, but embracing where you are and knowing that there is hope and a blessing for you exactly where you are right now. And especially for some of, I mean, there's a few of them that I think could be good to aspire to purity of heart or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, to being merciful or being a peace. I mean, there's aspects of it that I think uh, we can aspire to, but I think the naming of the reality of like you you find yourself in this, honestly, what it made me think of. And I literally, uh, and I hoped Lindsay wouldn't get distracted. And she didn't because I was literally Googling something as she was like sharing what she was sharing. I, I promise I was listening, uh, <laughs> was the inscription on the statue of Liberty made me think it, like that, like the way you described, like the nature of the, the Beatitudes reminds me of the inscription on the Statue of Liberty where it says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Now that's not saying you need to become like those things right. to come to America. It was naming a reality. Like yes. if you find yourself in that position, you're going to like America mm-hmm. because this is a place to where there's hope. There's hope that you can better your situation, that you don't have to stay in that condition forever, that there is hope for the future. And so I think there's a similar parallel there. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that's such, I love that Jesus opens his sermon with this, because to me, it's an invitation that no matter where you find yourself or how empty or in need or feeling lost or persecuted or suffering, or if you feel a desire for the things of God, if you're in a place of, I only desire God, I'm pure in heart, or I'm merciful, um, I'm a peacemaker, wherever you find yourself, that Jesus is giving you this blessing and this hope, and that you are welcome in his presence and his kingdom. There is room for you, there's space for you. And so I think there's just that embracing and accepting where we are right now because we can't we can't get to the hope of promise if mm-hmm. we don't acknowledge where we are right now. Yeah. And that was something that if you remember like even a challenge I made at the end of my message was like one of the true tests of this of the beatitudes is your reaction to them when you hear them. And I and I said because it's like I can imagine there might have been people sitting in the room that it's like if you don't find any of these statements hopeful to you, like if you hear them and none of them excite you or think like, oh, I need that, or that's what I long for. If like if you don't feel any kind of longing in your heart attaching to any of these statements that Jesus made, like what does that say about the condition of your heart and your soul before God? And I mean, yeah, anyway, I mean, it's kind of scary to think about, honestly, mm-hmm. of like, if I can't, I find myself identifying with any of these groups that Jesus names, 
man, where am I, where am I located in life and in this world? Yeah. And I think even as, as you think about that, to pay attention to where is your desire to be? Um, mm. cause just as we said, it's not aspirational, um, in general, but also do you desire to be pure in heart? Do you desire to be a peacemaker, to be merciful? Um, are even if you're not there, cause none of us are completely there ever. No one yeah. is completely pure in heart, um, or merciful all the time. But as you read that or listen to it, that our heart's desire is for Jesus to grow that in us and to increase that in us, um, so that we can receive that promise and that blessing that comes along with it. Yeah. Just a question I'll throw out. It, it's connected to something that I found kind of interesting, but I found myself kind of working working it out in my mind and seeing what I think about it. I'm not 100% convinced. Do you feel like the Beatitudes are progressive? Meaning that like they're building blocks? I'm not making that statement of saying they are. I've wondered that at times mm -hmm. that, which I'll just, I'll kind of take you through mm -hmm. my thinking and, yeah. and what I want to, what I want to be careful is that I'm not trying to shove, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole by saying this, but like just thinking through, is there a progression to that of you're starting out in a place of, of, of poverty and spirit of, of a need um, for God, which leads to a mourning. That I'm I'm mourning before God because of an awareness of my desperation for Him, which then leads to like a meekness, which is a weird word. And I spend a little time in my message talking about that. That meek doesn't mean weak. Like that was the thing I emphasized. It like one of the just most straightforward definitions that I've heard for it because it's used a lot in the in the Psalms, referring to those who have no status or power. So it's not about moral strength. It's more about in the society is the way the world is now. They don't have power or a voice. But it specifically says in terms of an inward disposition of humility to God, that it's someone who doesn't feel the need to throw their weight around. Mm -hmm. That's who the meek are. And Jesus was saying, in this kingdom that's coming, those people will be in charge. Like you may be pushed around and bullied by the po current power brokers who do throw their weight around, but it's not always going to be like that. The people who refuse to throw their weight around, they're the ones going to be put in charge someday, which mm -hmm. is like really good news. Yeah. Like really, really good news because mm -hmm. I'm sure even some who are listening right now, you might be dealing with people in your life, in your family, at your work, who are those type who like to throw their weight around. They don't have an indoor disposition of humility toward God. They're proud or arrogant or narcissistic and treat people accordingly. And so there's like, there's a, a yearning that can form out of that of like, Oh, why do people have to be like that? Like, I don't want to be like that. And, and Jesus is commending the people who are not like that of saying, you actually will inherit the earth someday. So just because things you're not in power or don't have status or, uh, you know, some sort of influence now does not mean it will always be like that, which is cool. Yeah. But anyway, uh, which I don't, I mean, I don't know how much I want to continue on. I mean, just what are your thoughts on that initially? Like, do you see some of that or? Yeah, I could see that. And like you said, it's hard, you know, it's kind of just speculating of, is it possible that these build on each other? And is it helpful to think of it that way yeah. and to think how they could one lead to another? Um, it's interesting that it ends up with being persecuted because of righteousness. So you kind of almost go full circle from feeling empty and, and poor in spirit and then come back to a place of persecution. 
um, and where that ends up and how just so much of that is just counter to what we think of being blessed really is. Mm, yeah. And um, just what it means to identify with. And I love how even when it talks about persecution, saying that, um, you know, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, that yeah. you are not the first ones to go through mm. this. You are not alone in this. You know, you might think that because there's persecution, I surely I must have gotten off the path somewhere or missed it somehow, but it's like, no, you are in good company. This is, this is the way it has always been. Yeah. But Jesus is, is showing that there is a coming kingdom that is going to shift all of that. But in the meantime, um, being blessed is probably not going to look the way that we would define being blessed yeah. in our own human state. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and, and that was partly why I like, I kind of go to that place of wondering like, gosh, is there a progression or a building to this? Because it's like, I found myself wondering, does it, I mean, I think they do each work individually on their own, but does it seem to work as well if they were shuffled and put in any other order? Meaning like if you started right out of the gate, blessed are the persecuted, you're like, Ooh, I don't think I'm ready for that. Right. But if you go through this progression, yeah. the the work that is done in you, what is formed in you through all of these others yeah. will will prepare you for that and that you will have um grown into that place where you are confident in the spirit of Christ in you that sustains mm. you that you are able to endure through persecution. So yeah, I, th I think there's yeah. maybe something to that. And, and again, I'm not meaning to present that as a formula of like, no, these have to like, these are building blocks that have to work on each other. Like each of them individually are true on their own. Mm -hmm. um, I've just wondered that. I don't yeah. know. I just, I mean, we didn't even talk about that ahead of time and I didn't even have any kind of notes around that either. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a thought that occurred to me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. And yeah, <laughs> no, I, I haven't even fully thought that. Yeah. Out yet. It's an interesting way to look at it. And it's, you know, I, like you said, it's whether it was intended that way or not, I think there's still some truth to how these things work together to form something in us. And like you said, if it just jumped straight to persecution, those things haven't been formed in you yet. Yeah. So I, it, yeah, makes it, sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, well, <laughs> and, and some of what came out of that, which, uh, because I remember hearing something years ago that the 12 steps in AA or NA or any any of the anonymouses uh, was actually built off of the Beatitudes. And I remember hearing that and thinking, I think I could kind of see that, but I like never really like spent any kind of real time researching or thinking through it. And so actually like prior to like us recording and stuff like that, I actually did like a little research and it actually is kind of interesting how mm -hmm. the 12 steps do kind of follow it a little bit. Like, do you mind if I just kind of like yeah, sure. talk, talk through them real quick? It's just real interesting. So, you know, obviously the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and flowing out of that are the first three steps. Step one, we admit we're powerless over our addiction. Step two, we come to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Like all of those fit under mm -hmm. poverty of spirit like really well. Then the next one, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. To make... <clears throat> uh, yeah, so step four is uh, that you have made a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. 
if that's not going to make you mourn. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you have to go through and like list everything you've done, how you've wronged anyone, like like those phrases are almost scary to me. A searching and fearless moral inventory. Like you just ruthless. You just hold nothing back. Um, so there's a sense in which you're going you're gonna to mourn over your failings in that. Uh, so the next one, blessed are the meek for they are inherit the earth. That goes on to step five. Uh, admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. You have to be pretty humble. Yeah, that, that would require <laughs> some meekness for yeah. sure. Uh, next one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Then that's step six and seven. Uh, that we're entirely re- Step six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all the defects of character in us. And then step seven is you humbly ask him to remove those shortcomings. So that's that desire for righteousness. Uh, next one, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Uh, this, I know, is a hard one for a lot of people who have walked through AA or NA or whatever, uh, is to make a list of all the persons we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them. So that's like, I mean, you're almost asking for mercy in that. Uh, then, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's step nine. Make, make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So that's trying to like make things right. And then blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The steps 10 and 11, step 10, uh, continues to take personal inventory. And then when we're wrong, promptly admit it. And then 11, sort through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious uh, contact with God as we understand him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. And then finally, this is where it comes to, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because step 12 is, you're having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these things. We try to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in our affairs. So I'm like, I'm thinking about, yeah, you begin to carry the steps of AA to other alcoholics or other addicts. You're going to experience some persecution because some are not going to re- respond well to it. Anyway, but right. just as I read that, I'm just like, wow, it really is. Like it is built at least off the principles. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily fit like word for word. Well, um, and I love that because that's why it works. <laughs> because yeah. based on scripture. Based like, on scripture. And when we follow the way of Jesus, the freedom that comes in our lives. Mm. And, you know, the word that came to mind for me as you were reading through that and as we read through these verses is surrender. That it always comes back to surrender and that, you know, it's great as your reward in heaven. The way to get to that is through surrender and through this way that seems so counter to what we would expect and just letting go of our own wills and our own ways and trusting that God's way is best, Mm. even when it feels completely counter to what we would say is best yeah and then something that i ended up and just uh this is uh, insider information for everyone who's listening uh i had to cut out some of my message like toward the end it just <laughs> surprise surprise i go long <laughs> and uh but because we i actually initially was going to dip into verses 13 through 16 where jesus talks about you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world and because I was just struck by how deeply those two, that like that section was connected with the Beatitudes. Because like if you think about it, like if you began to like really be, if you were the tight, let me, I'll say it this way, because I don't want to make it sound like they're commands to be obeyed. If you were the type of person that those statements are true, 
four, you're going to look different in the world and you're going to make a difference in the world. And that was kind of like, sorry, so this was a final point that I didn't get to make in my message is that those who belong to Jesus's kingdom are different in the world and make a difference in the world. And he's kind of hinting at that. I think that's why he talks about salt and light right after that of saying, hey guys, if these announcements are true about you, you're going to be different Mm -hmm. and you're going to make a difference in the world. Like it's going to be hard for you not to make a difference in the world. Yeah, and I what I love about those verses too is that this is something that has been formed so deeply in you that you cannot help but to show up in the world in this way. Yeah. I mean, when I think about a, you know, a lamp giving off light that it is simply existing and illuminating things and showing showing what is true and what is there. It is not performative. It is not something that has to be dredged up or or try to do this the right way no when you have walked through this mm. something deep is formed in you that is then going to naturally flow out of you yeah like and a, make light a difference do- in the world a light doesn't have to try to shine right it just does and, and salt doesn't i mean that's even like the joke around jesus talking about if a salt if salt loses its saltiness there's almost an irony to it because a salt because salt can't lose its saltiness right, right. like the only way it can be lose its saltiness is if it's uh, compromised, like mixed in with other things. But like it itself will always be salty. Like salt can't stop being salty. Right. So, so much of this is about our identity in Christ. That as we are formed in his image, as we become all of these things that are talked about in these verses, that it makes us into our true selves in Christ. Yeah. as he forms us from the inside out. And then we are showing up authentically and in a way that is is going to point people to Jesus. We can't help it because it becomes who we are. It's about our identity, mm. um, our identity in Christ. No, that's good. So as we get ready to close out, do you have any kind of final thoughts or encouragements or exhortations to those who uh, are listening uh, as we look at the Beatitudes? I think a helpful practice would be to either read or listen to to be read to you in a Bible app or something that Mm. listen to each of these Beatitudes and can you name where you find yourself right now? Mm. Can you name the reality of here's where I'm at and then receive the invitation and promise of Jesus that is there? Almost imagine him saying it to you. And, and meeting you right where you're at, because I think so often we try to push ourselves to where we think we should be, but growth doesn't happen until we acknowledge where we're at. Mm. And so that would be my encouragement is where are you in this right now? And can you receive the promise of Jesus that will grow you and form you into your true self in Christ, who yeah. he has created you to be? Oh, that's so good. Hey, I don't need to add to that. That's, that is enough. I love it. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for uh, joining us uh, on this first of, I think, nine. I think the series is a nine-week series. And so, like I said, we'll be dropping uh, a kind of a supplemental you know, episode of New Hope Underground for each week with uh, whoever's speaking that week, and they're going to bring be bringing on a special guest. So I'll be coming on again, and who knows? Maybe maybe Lindsay will show up in later parts of the series. But you never know. Uh, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see you guys soon.